Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Good Boss. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode, second week of January 2022. I'm so happy to have you here. It's going to be an amazing year, and I'm really excited to delve into this topic today. As you can tell by the title, we are talking all about pricing with someone who knows what she's talking about because she's got a logo behind her that says Easy as Pie Pricing. <laughs> <laughs> and her jacket on the back of it says pricing queen. So she is indeed the pricing queen. Jasmine, thank you so much for coming on Good Boss today. Can we start off by hearing a bit about your background and kind of what led you into this niche, you know, that is you talking and educating about pricing all day, every day? Well, I got it a bit when you say, can you tell me a bit about your background? My like immediate brain goes into like the um, miscongeniality idea of mm-hmm. just like, well, it'll be May 25th. And so it'd be like, uh, so currently in my background, I've got a teal, uh, <laughs> I'm just a teal background. Yeah. <laughs> but, so the reason why I am the pricing queen fully have stepped into the, uh, I guess, crown that it comes with it is that after 14 years of being a creative, being a designer, a freelancer, a creative problem solver, design superwoman, uh, you get to see a lot of different pricing situations. You get to see a lot of different scenarios that lead themselves to different dollars, different setups and different systems. And Realistically, I've always been the kind of person that if I learn something, the best way for me to really solidify that learning as well as to uh, experience what that learning looks like on others is teaching. Mm. And for me, it was always a case of I, I want to be able to be the person that I needed five years ago. Mm. I want to be that person that... Uh, shared that interesting knowledge and shared that information so that I could help that other person. That's always been my my number one priority. Mm, That's awesome because I do feel like there's a lot of people that just don't want to share about it. And um, it's almost gatekeeping and it's like gatekeeping only makes all of us hungry or fight for the last last crumbs of the pie. Like it's it's not going to help anyone by hiding your pricing from your industry. When it comes to clients, it sometimes can feel a little bit different, but as long as we're sharing our pricing, we're not going to have situations where it's like, oh, oh, that person undercut me. Mm. Well, if we shared our pricing, we'd probably be in a better position to either share the work or share the knowledge. Yeah, completely agree. I am always, always down to share with, you know, fellow creatives what I charge. I can tell them what I used to charge, what I'm charging now. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I always preface it with, you know, you don't have to be charging the same thing I am, but I am just so happy to tell you that, you know, I often have catch-ups with people, um, that are local to me. And sometimes, um, they like, they want to ask me what I charge, but I can tell that it's making them a little bit uncomfortable to ask. And I'm like, you don't, it's okay. I will, I'm like an open book. You don't have to fear this question and fear, you know, being vulnerable in that way. So Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to chat to you about this. And so you mentioned you used to be a designer. Is that right? Still am. So still still running a a really wonderfully 
just fulfilling design studio. So uh, fulfilling in pretty much every sense of the word. The the great thing and the probably the biggest achievement that I had last year. So technically, as of recording, it's current year, but <laughs> you'll be listening to this in the well future. Yeah. So the best thing that I did last year was build my business up to a point where I could diversify not by products or by like lots of different things, but diversify in that I could create a business that ran on its own, generating its own kind of projects because I really concentrated on serving my customers and serving the clients that I had really well. Mm. So they became fans to promote for me. And so that ended up being like my marketing like the main marketing, my marketing team wasn't employed. I was employed by my marketing team. And so the the clients were so happy with what they were doing and what the, the service they were receiving that they were then either sharing with their friends or they were rebooking and rehiring me for the next project and the next project mm. without even really going, hmm, do we have to go back to the start of that whole so whole process when you've got mm. a new client and going, oh, what, what are your rates? They know my rates. They know what I can do. And so they're happy to pay. Yeah. And that's a really important thing of kind of building up that process. And then I was able to kind of go, okay, time to start teaching what you know, time to be that person that you needed back then mm. um, and start answering these questions. And a lot of that came legitimately from other people in the industry, other people who are part of the industry going, hey, Jazz, what would you charge for this? What would you do for this? How would you price this? And it came really naturally to me of sharing with my fellow industry friends, getting a, a video call or a DM or an Instagram message or whatever it ended up being and getting that communication of going, can you help? And there's nothing I love better than like getting into the nitty gritty of like, what are you going to charge for this? How are we going to do this? How are we going to make sure that we can give you the best opportunity to give the value to that customer so that they turn into your biggest fan mm. and keep you putting food on the table? Mm. Yeah, it's so fulfilling. And it's so important as well, like you said, because at the end of the day, your business has to, like you said, put food on the table. Um, mm. So let's go to like the starting point because I think, this is something that people struggle with is like when they're first starting out to what am I going to price my service or product? And often they, what people do and what I did, you know, being fully transparent is I just went on other people's websites and, you know, tried to kind of see what was deemed as normal in the marketplace. Um, you know, going on people's websites that I thought were similar to my, to me, at, at, you know, when I was starting, um, so what would kind of be your advice for someone like that's at the starting point um, to kind of figure out where their pricing should go? Well, realistically, you did a really good job and you did a really good job of one part of working out your rate. Mm. So research, market research and understanding what everyone else is charging is actually a really good way of gauging, okay, where should I be going? Where should I be sitting and fitting within that space? That's one part of it. Mm. But another couple of parts would obviously be um, you know, looking at what uh, like rate cards of, you know, the surveys that go around and like what is, what is an average junior getting paid or things like that. But then the most important thing is working it out for you. So mm. working out your own rate for your own particular recipe because realistically 
Say, for instance, you've found all these different people that charge similar to you, but you've actually got higher overheads or you've got more of uh, expenses that you need to cover and then you don't make it because you've gone by their rates. Yeah. So when it comes to working out what you should be charging for your time, and I'll get back to that part that's really specific, um, what to the number that you need to be able to cover your time comes right back to, okay, if you're just starting out and you're just wanting to cover your bills and just wanting to like understand that that's the base rate, you would tally up all of your expenses and you would work out how what your expenses are per week or per month or per year, whichever kind of justification you're working. And then you split that number into the working hours within that time frame. Mm. So say for instance, you're um, working at, you've worked out that to cover all of your bills, you need to make $600 a week. And then you work out how many hours you need to work, billable hours you need to work for a client to be able to cover that. And then that kind of stops that overwhelm and that freak out at the start of like, if I don't make exactly how much I was or would be in a studio, I failed. That's it. I'm done. Yeah. But instead you were able to reframe it. Now that idea of covering your expenses is called ramen profitability. It's not a term I made up. It's a really common term in the startup space. It's just happens to be food-based, which is my favorite (laughs) way of learning. Um, But then after you've done the whole ramen profitability and covered your business and covered the expenses that it takes to not only live as a person, but also work as a business, Mm. you then start going, okay, what's my take home money? What's, uh, it's a little bit different talking to an Australian on a podcast. It's fantastic because I will generally say, what are your take home dollar do's? What are the (laughs) the dollar amount that you want to have at the end of the day? So Mm. you would start with the salary that you want to be able to be making per year, then add your expenses, then divide by the working hours. And so that will give you that number that you need to be making per hour. But I must stress here is that hourly rates aren't always what you charge your client Mm. because there's some massive downsides to charging for hourly rates. Um, And it's, it's really important to understand that, you know, you don't just have to charge per hour, you can charge per project, you can charge for the value you bring, you can package it up differently. And your pricing structure can be really specific to you, really important to understand that you don't have to be charging what everyone else is charging to be successful. Yeah, totally agree. And I think that's an important point that you raised up as well about those different types of pricing structures, because I think, I think especially uh, you know, juniors that are coming into the industry do often lean towards that hourly rate pricing. And although it might be a great way to start out and to kind of use that as a starting point in terms of your uh, your pricing structure, moving forward to me, it's something that I kind of moved away from fairly quickly because as you said, you know, I did realize that it was not the best pricing model to use at all because you know, the better you get at your craft, if you're charging hourly, the less money you'll get paid, you know? I mean, it makes sense. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense, honestly. Obviously for me, it does depend on what it is you are Mm. doing. So with Coco Studio, um, I offer four different services, two of those being photography and videography. So for those two services, 
I love hourly pricing. It's just easy. Um, clients, it's it, it's easy for me to communicate that to my clients. I'll say, okay, I'm, I'm this amount of money per hour. So they'll know how many hours they can book me in for a photo or video shoot. Um, so that's, you know, an instance where I love hourly pricing, but then things like branding and website design, I'm like, no, no, no. We're doing, you know, value-based is mostly what I have been trying to implement. So can you talk a little bit more about value-based pricing? Because I think it's really, really cool and important. Yeah. So value-based pricing tends to be a little bit of those, uh, one of those buzzy words lately of like, mm. oh, just charge for value. But, you know, the, the biggest thing that I hear when it comes to value-based pricing is, well, how do I work that out? Like, how do I actually justify what the value is? And the kind of simplest of answers for that is ask like that start communicating with your customer and your client because value-based pricing means that you are recognizing that you are more than just the time for dollars value. You And say, for instance, you are creating something that is literally going to generate them $10,000 revenue in the first year and you get like 20 bucks, like, nah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And so value-based pricing is working out what the value that you are generating or creating for that customer and then charging accordingly. Now, it's not like you're going to sit there and be like, by the way, guys, you're charged, you're valued so much more than what this is expected. So we're going to just chuck a couple of zeros on there. Nah, you start asking questions and it, it kind of, if, The simplest way I can kind of break it down is that you're trying to work out the value to three really specific groups or three really specific spots. One, the value to the creative because, you know, we need to know what the value is to us. So the value for the creative is the time it's spent, uh, the enjoyment that you're going to get out of it, because let's be honest, if you're not going to enjoy it, then you might be charging differently. Um, You might put a... uh, I call them FAF. It's a F around <laughs> fee. Um, so you charge a little more for those who are difficult to work mm. with or mm. are going to be more time consuming. Drains your um, energy. But also, yeah, exactly. And also you might charge differently depending on whether it's work that you want to see going forward. So you might have a smaller fee if you're trying to use this as a case study to get further jobs where yeah. you can charge more for the Gosh. same sort of project There's so much to think about <laughs> well that's just the creative mm. and then you've got the client so like what is the value of this problem being solved like what is it actually going to change in the value that you're bringing to the client what time is it actually going to save and how much could they stand to lose by doing it themselves mm. like I can tell you right now, I've seen some bad websites from from clients that have DIY'd and and not because they are, you know, out to do bad work, but they don't know. And Mm. a lot of the times, like I'll even hire um, freelancers, other freelancers, not because I can't do the work, but because I know it will be done better by someone else. And therefore it's more valuable for me to save that time. And then the third one is actually the customer of your client. So if you're increasing the reputation of your client by giving them good design, which a lot of the times that's what it does, then that's really valuable to be Mm. considering when you're charging at the start. So say, for instance, the product that they're creating is worth $200 a piece. 
maybe you should be considering that as part of what you charge at the start. Because mm. if they end up making their return on investment like that and you have sat there and gone, okay, they they made their return on investment faster than it took for me to actually do the work, <laughs> that's a problem. And that's something that you need to start working into your pricing structures. And you're not going to sit there and go, oh, this job is valued at this. You'll be saying the the fee associated for me to do this is X. Yep. I'm not going to sit there and like break it down necessarily. It's it's up to you whether you do or don't. I technically, I, I generally advise against it because I feel mm. like a lot of the time a client will come through and like buffet pick. And be like, <laughs> oh, I don't need a branding guideline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, we need that. We need that. Come back. Like, come on. Um, but, you know, you are putting a dollar amount on a solution for a problem the client has and that they can't do themselves. Mm, 100%. Absolutely. And I think to kind of sum up what you just said, it's value-based pricing is extremely wholesome. It is not binary. You know, it is, it involves a lot of different aspects and you've just named like so many good points that intertwine into value-based pricing. And that is really important for people to think about. And that's why as well, I'm kind of, I guess you could say like against just plain packages um, it's something I used to do, but it's something that I'm just moving away from now. You know, I don't like just having those set packages because every client is different. And all those questions, you know, that you just mentioned that you should be asking yourself, your client and your client's client um, are going to be different answers each time, which will impact the price. Um, and I think it's really important as well to actually start having those conversations with your clients, as you mentioned. And it's something that I could not do at the start of my journey, um, you know, almost two years ago now. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't speak about pricing on, on consult calls. I just couldn't do it. I would avoid it to the very end bit and I would just email them, you know, a proposal that would then have the price in it. Um, but in hindsight, that's not the best way of going about it because clients can read you, you know, how they say like a horse can tell if you're nervous. I think it's yes. the same goes with clients. Like they can tell. Did if you just call clients horses? I love no, that. <laughs> no, just making a comparison, you know, like I, what I mean to say is clients can sense when you don't feel comfortable talking about pricing and it's just I think it just shows that maybe you don't have that level of confidence, um, maturity and, you know, professionalism and talking about that with them. Um, And I think people do appreciate people that can talk about pricing. So it's something that I have worked on, you know, in every consult Mm -hmm. call, I get more confident and more confident. It's great. Um, What would your advice be to someone who does want to get more confident to talk about pricing with their client you know, during those early stages of discussing and negotiating the project? Yeah. So I would say these are my three pieces of advice for this one. So firstly, take the emotion out of it. Like it's it's not, it, it doesn't, you, you, we know that when yeah. we come, when it comes to pricing or when it comes to actually seeing a dollar value out anywhere, we from a very young age are trained that, When we look at numbers, we look at prices, the first thing we do is we say, can we afford it? And when you're actually pitching numbers and pitching pricing, 
you're not paying. So stop pricing like it's coming out of your back pocket. It's not. It's coming out of the client's budget that they've allocated for a professional like you. So take the emotion out of it. Take the emotion off the table. It's not serving anyone. Secondly, I'd say start talking in numbers. It's terrifying, but start getting getting used to talking in numbers and actually saying on your clients' calls or your consulting calls with your potential clients, what's the allocation of budget for this? What is the investment that you mm. are you have in mind for this project? Is it closer to 2000 or do we have more of a $5,000 budget that we can really get into this and actually start using those numbers? Because numbers when heard have visceral actions and visceral reactions, especially with clients. And they kind of go, and realistically, um, the third thing would be stop thinking that the lowest price is going to win you the job. It won't. Mm. Because there will always be clients who value things other than price, that value confidence in it being created properly, that they value the problem-solving skills of the person, that they value that they know that it's going to be done. And you might come back to them with more ideas and they see you as this really valuable asset. So trying to lower your price, thinking that that's going to be what wins you, you're actually going to be then attracting the worst kind of client, the client that values price. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And I think as well, if you, if your price is lower, sometimes that can have the reverse effect and people kind of go, oh, like, you know, that's, that's really cheap. Maybe she's actually not the best person and they'll actually go find someone. Yeah. (laughs) And they'll actually go find someone who charges more because that gives them a, a sense of, okay, this person is more of a professional or like, I mean, I don't know where that really comes from, but there is an aspect of that with clients mm. when they hear like, you know, $50 for a logo, like that just sounds a bit too cheap. You know, it's kind of like when you go, you know, buy food or something, I'll bring it back to food. Mm. Um, and it's yeah. like, you know, a dollar for a, I mean, I'm trying to think of something loaf like of bread. Yeah, it's if like you get a dollar good? loaf of bread. You're like, you have an expectation that it's not going to be no, as good. I'm as not going like to get a dollar. No, I'm not going to get a dollar loaf of bread. I'm going to get like a $5 sourdough from Coles and it's going to be delicious. <laughs> and I deserve it because I've charged well and and I, I am the sourdough <laughs> of designers for my clients. Yeah, and that's where exactly. it comes into as well is like pricing has a positioning place in as well. It becomes part of your communication of like I am the designer that you want to work with. Exactly. So if you can create that kind of um feeling in your ideal client's gut they're like oh and like if they are like oh I aspire to work with you I aspire to be good enough to be able to hire you for your services that's massive if you can position yourself as like the designer that everyone wants goals (laughs) goals massive goals yeah and what would you say you know, what can someone do if they get a bit of pushback from clients on a call? And, you know, as soon as you start mentioning your prices, you can tell the client is just like, oh, like moving further and further away from you and maybe questioning. And, you know, you can, you can tell their body language is, is changing. What, what can someone do in that situation where they are getting that kind of pushback? Stop talking. 
I know it sounds really <laughs> weird, but in that moment, stop talking. Like stop, mm. stop talking, breathe, take a second, because if you keep talking, you'll want a discount. You'll sit there and you're like, oh, but we can do it for cheaper and um, we can yeah. do this and we can do it. Stop talking. Let yeah. the silence happen. Mm. Be comfortable with the silence that happens. Um, and you need to get comfortable with those conversations where you can then, like, they're waiting for you to bite back. And a lot of the time it's a little bit like a tango, like, you know, I'll tell you my price and then you tell me yours. And then it's not, it's like, you've got to be sitting there going, okay, if they've say, for instance, you said, okay, um, this branding package is going to be $10,000 and they've gone and you go, okay, so let's dissect that a little bit. What's the surprise out of that? And you know, what are the reasons why you've reacted? So say, for instance, it's, oh, we've we've heard other designers that that charge less. Not a problem. I mean, is there something that they're not doing that you're seeing in my abilities? Or is there a reason why you've come to me instead of them? And so start highlighting those things that like the client's either consciously or subconsciously done because if they've seen, it's kind of like if you're trying to do a price match, it's like, oh, can you beat their price? And it's like, well, we're not office works. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we're, not, <laughs> we're not Bunnings. Yeah. We're not trying to, to price match because the realistic situation is you're probably offering different situations or services as well because you'll actually find that those who charge more feel like they've got more budget to play with, not just, you know, to lay around like Scrooge McDuck and throw the coins in the air. They actually have more budget to be able to provide a better service. So I'll, I'll tell you right now, I've got a couple of clients that I know I, I charge a premium service, but because I've charged a premium service, I'm able to give a better service. I'm able to go to more meetings and not feel resentful because it's like, this is my time. Like, come mm. on. You're you're able to give them a small gift at Christmas because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, giving a client a thousand, sorry, giving a client a hundred dollar bottle of champagne to say thank you for working with me with this year is factored into the pricing that you gave them way mm. back when of for a $5,000 project, $100 of a $5,000 project isn't too bad, especially when then your client's not going to sit there and be like, oh, that's that's come out of my budget. They're going to sit there and go, wow, mm. I feel appreciated and seen by my designer. I'm going to be happy to work with them again and I'm going to be happy to give them more work. So it's this really awesome generating service of like if you charge higher and have more budget to give a better service, you will get happier clients who are hungry for what you're serving and you get a little bit of them having bragging rights. They're like, look what my designer got me. Look what my creative got me. She really values me. She really like, and you do value them, but you're able to give that valuable service because you've been able to charge a little higher. Mm, I love that. Creating that, like that full experience for your client. So important. I love it. Mm -hmm. Hey, what are your thoughts on people that work for free? They have to understand why they're working for free. And so this is, this is something that I, if I look through Facebook groups and I had this a couple of days, maybe a week ago on a Facebook group that someone was like, I'm just starting out and I'm doing logos for free. Who wants one? And I'm like, okay. So when you do things for free, you're teaching your clients that you do things for free. 
And then they'll expect that over and over and over again. Unless you put a boundary in that stops that from being an expectation, you're going to get two, three, four years into your career and have resentment over doing free work. It's because you taught your client that that's what it, what is the expectation. And it, it breaks my heart because, you know, there's so many other ways that you can get experience without doing it for free. And even if it is like I'm doing logos, they would usually be valued at this, but I'm only doing three packages at a discounted rate for this reason. One, then the client actually understands what the standard value is. Mm. Two, you're showing you're showing the value that you're providing really clearly, and you're not discounting so that you can win the job. Because, like we said before, a discounted or free price is actually probably you know throwing up a flare gun of saying, "Hey, this is what I do, and this is the kind of person that I am." Like trying to attract in a client someone that values free or someone that values cheap and they're not a client that you want Mm. like let them be someone else's problem (laughs) there's so many like fivers and uh diyers and if that's what they want to do great but if you're attracting the wrong kind of client you're going to end up going really hungry really soon yeah no i i agree with that i do have to say though that i think you're definitely right in terms of if you okay it's like if you do want to do work for free then yes like you said have some boundaries and have some goals in mind like because it can get quite despairing doing all this work for free unless you know why you're doing it for free and what the result and what the outcome is going to be so for me to give a an example when I started offering video work I had zero portfolio because I did not study that at uni um, mm-hmm. had never done it before. So I was like, okay, the best place for me to start is to get some work under my belt and people aren't going to pay me, you know, 500 or $1,000 for a video when they haven't even seen what I'm cap- capable of doing. So I told myself, all right, I'm going to do around five to seven videos for different mm-hmm. clients, different projects, all for free. And to me, I was comfortable with that number. You know, at the time, I think I was still at my part-time job. So I was still getting an income from somewhere else as well, which is so important because it kind Mm -hmm. of gets away, alleviates that pressure like financially, which is awesome. So I told myself, okay, I'm going to do five, seven videos for free. So I've got that number in my mind. And why am I doing this? Well, I'm doing this to actually show people what I'm made of, what my capabilities are, what kind of videos I want to be doing. So all of those five to seven videos I did were like my dream projects, you know, my dream clients. Exactly. Like I went directly to the people that I wanted to be doing video with. I'm not going to do something for free for someone that, you know, I actually did do this <laughs> now that I think about it. I actually did a video work for like an event. And I don't know why I didn't think more about it because events are something that I just don't do. You know, it's not part of my offerings at all I do not do video or photo for events so I really don't know why my past self said yes to that project <laughs> but you know it's all in the learnings but yeah try to do free stuff that you know for things that you can actually put in your portfolio because that's yeah. a great you know value in return you'll do it for free but you'll have it in your portfolio and it ended up leading to paid clients and now I don't really do free work anymore. It's usually all paid from video. So that's great. 
So yeah, I think, you know, doing work for free is a little bit of like a gray area, but if you kind of maneuver yourself Mm -hmm. around it the right way, I think it can have really, really great, you know, results for your business. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that if you reframe it in a way that it's like, this is not free work, this is me investing in future business and marketing for myself, because Again, if you're able to show an example of what you can do well mm. in a way that is like you've done the work, you, you so you work with client A and then you tell the next person who's in the exact same industry, I worked with client A and this is what their result was. And then you're selling that service. And that second time that you do it, you charge. And if you do it, do it for free, as long as you communicate the value to that person who you're giving it for free and the reasons why then you're fine. Yeah, It's just, you know, free for free reason. I'm not yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, I have to ask you about this because your whole branding and your copy is all about food. And I just need to know where did this come from? Is this like a marketing genius move that you've done or do you just love food? <laughs> Can it be both? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then and then straight away I'm just like the the old El Paso do, uh, little girl like da, 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 talking all the stars. Um, <laughs> it's it's both. Um, I you just made another food reference. Been, of course I did. And see, so yeah. this is the thing. Yeah. I've always communicated in food because I feel like food is one of those things that it's not language dependent. It mm. doesn't change like you talk I don't want to talk about favorite foods I want to talk about your most hated foods or a food that you've had like a bad experience with and you have like PTSD Mm -hmm. and so food is something that makes people really passionate and it's multilingual it's it's able to be reinterpreted well across the globe and when it comes to pricing pricing is really hard to understand for a lot of people and it's understandable that it is hard to understand. So if you can take pricing, a complex subject, and food, something that everyone knows and loves in one way or another, and use them together. So I use a lot of food-based analogies. I use a lot of uh, framing of complex ideas Mm. in food-based analogies so that people can actually understand and digest it better. Um, I'm also... A daughter of a butcher. So I was a a butcher for uh, age eight to age 22, so 14 years back in Adelaide. And food is something that is very intrinsic and passionate within my family, both my biological and chosen family. Um, My partner and I, we are getting married in a couple of months, so that'll be exciting. exciting. Um, But food (laughs) is definitely something that we've always talked about of like, Someone will say, oh, I'm coming to Melbourne. And I'll be like, go to this place, this place, eat this and eat that. And mm. they're like, great, but what are we, like, we're, we're going to go and do stuff. And I was like, but don't you just want to eat? Like, that's <laughs> all I want to do. Um, Melbourne and- has some great food places, I have to say. Oh, yeah. Oh, <gasps> oh yeah. my gosh. There's um one of my favourites is Laurent Patisserie in the city. Ooh. French French word, oh. yeah. Yes, no, I do that one. I do uh, know that one. I think it's um, called my, my favourite is Agathe. Oh, yes. Loon or Loon Croissant. Loon is amazing. Loon has, they've just like opened up a secondary one called Cruller. um, And it's just, I, 
my partner and I are like, okay, we need to slim down for the wedding. So stop I'm just like, but food, but food. But, but croissants. Food? Yeah. Like, I love croissants. And I and love, love a croissant. And then like, oh, yes, yeah, There's always, always a line always. at the door. I'm like, what the hell? And I just saw that they just <laughs> opened one in Brisbane and I'm like, come on, come to birth, please. Yeah. Oh, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. Mm. Um, Loon, if you're listening, uh, come make to that birth. happen. That'd be yes. great. Everything but- takes about like five or 10 years to come to birth. I mean, we only just got our very first Sephora here. It's very exciting. Oof. I'm getting all up in the <laughs> Sephora business. <laughs> For the first oh, time. look, I understand completely. I mean, like I grew up in Adelaide and generally yeah. they say, you know, turn your watches back half an hour, but I say like right, <laughs> five years sometimes. Like, yeah. you know, it, it takes time to migrate across the country. Yeah, exactly. But it'll be worth the wait. Anyways, oh, yeah. I love it. Food is, yeah, food is something everyone loves. I think it's really cool that you've kind of used that to your advantage and used that in your marketing and your copy. It's It's very clever. So let's talk about your course because I think this is super exciting. So this episode is airing on the 18th of Jan. So what can people expect from you in the next couple of weeks? Okay, guys, so I'll be honest with you. You are right in the middle of the meal. So right now, right here, right now, I'm just going to turn into like a right here, right now. No, don't. Um, So right now is in the middle of open cart for my easiest pie pricing pricing course. So it is a degustation of pricing, 12 weeks, put on your pie eating pants, the ones with the really stretchy (laughs) waistband or no waistband at all is totally fine because it is all online. We will be covering 12 different aspects of pricing that are going to help you bake more profit into your creative crust, charge dough for what you do well, and really give you that confidence that you have from using a spoon. There was a time where you didn't know how to use a spoon and now you're just like, I'm a pro. Like I've I've got this spoon thing down. So what I want to have at the end is turning you from a hungry, so turning you from a, um, starving artist into a hungry creative. I want you to be sitting there and being able to price and charge with this confidence that you know that you're going to be able to not only put food on the table, but actually enjoy every single part of that meal. So we'll be covering things like hourly pricing and project and value base. That's the first three weeks. Then we'll actually be having a guest expert talking about licensing. There'll also be some sprinkling of Uh, positioning, sales, after sales and negotiation, as well as invoicing. I've got an expert on contracts. I've got an expert on money mindset. So this is going to be an absolute degustation of pricing. And people say, "Mm, pricing for creatives, isn't that a little bit niche? But like, let's really look at this and go, if we can be sharing the pie when it comes to pricing and sharing the experience, because Pricing is a shared experience, but a personal choice. If we can all be sharing it, we're all going to be raising the industry up from charging $50 a logo. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. You're doing good work for all of us. I love it. I've got one question for you. Are you sending a pie to every person that enrolls? to admit that uh, we actually did a photo shoot for the whole course and I baked oh, a good like 20 different pies to wow. be able 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, apple and rhubarb. It's so good. Oh, yum. Um, yeah, it's the good stuff. It's the good stuff. We will be sending out bits and pieces to those who enroll and subscribe and be part of it. But basically, if it is the 18th today, I want you to send head to easiestpiepricing.com and send me an email if you want to get on this because we'll actually be closing up the the cart in the next couple of days. Yeah. So this is the look, last minute. If it's a couple of days after, you know those people that are like tapping on the window at 9:59 and we close at 10. Just yeah. let me know and I'll I'll see what I can rustle up for you from the yeah. kitchen. Yeah. Um but it'll be 12 weeks, all of those subjects covered as well as so you'll get your little kind of bite-sized piece at the start where you can sit there and munch on. It's all pre-recorded and you get to work through that particular topic. But then the reason why this is a different pricing course to anything that I've seen that is out there is that every single Wednesday, we will come together much like you do at the at the um, family table. We will come together and we'll break down this whole product, like the particular subject of that week in a group coaching session. So I'm going to be there and accessible to you every single Wednesday so that we can actually delve into these pricing questions because realistically I can read as many bits and pieces and watch as many videos, but if I've got someone sitting there being like, hey, can you tell me what I need to do? That's so much more valuable when it comes to actually asking questions and asking the right questions when it comes to pricing. And so you'll have access to me every single week. Love that. That sounds amazing and something that would have been so valuable for me, you know, when I was just starting. So for anyone that's listening that is interested, I believe that Jasmine has a really cool code for you to leave, for sorry, for you to use. Um, And I will have that in the show notes below if you want to go take a peek. Um, thank you so much for coming on Good Boss. One last question that I do love to ask every single person that comes on the show is what are your best Good Boss habits that keep you healthy and happy in your business? I would love to say like switching off and separating, but that is not my jam. I'll be honest with you. I am not very good at that. <laughs> um, for me, it's making sure that every once in a while I look back to see how far I've come. Because we get so caught up in the constant what's next, what's next, what's next. And so if you haven't today already, I want you to take a moment, turn around and look how far you've come. Look what you've done in the last year, in the last month, in the last week that has further bettered your business or yourself. Um, And whether that is as complex or as simple as working out your pricing or working out something for a client or working out how you can better your business as a whole, that's still progress. That's still one foot further than what you were yesterday. And that's really important. That's awesome. Yeah. Such a cool habit to get into reflecting. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing such good, valuable info for everyone. Um, Where can people find you if they want to connect with you online? Love it. So if you have, if you are a fan of pies, pricing, and pun-related food analogies, <laughs> head to JH Designs on Instagram. Or um, if you are interested, I actually have a little taste sample for you. So for all of the listeners, if you're wanting to work out your the dollar value of your time that we were talking about earlier, I've got a easiest pie pricing calculator. So if you head to easiestpiepricing.com slash good boss, 
it's all there served up for you. But that Amazing. is where I hang. Cool. I will link all of your links in the show notes. And guys, I actually did use this pricing calculator and it's the easiest thing in the world. It's so cool. You, it, It's literally like a done for you thing. You just put in your expenses. Um, you know, you put in how many hours you want to be working a week and it just gives you your dream number. It's amazing. So definitely look into that. Um, if I'm blushing want- right now because like, <laughs> there's so much love that has been baked yes. into this calculator because for me, it was the thing I needed. I needed someone oh, else to tell me what to charge. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, good on you for creating that for all of us to enjoy and use. I, I love it. It's awesome. Um, if you guys want to keep up with some video content, um, everything to do with the podcast, make sure to follow at Good Boss Podcast on Instagram. If you enjoy this episode, scroll down to your phone and leave a review and a rating. That would mean the world to me. And make sure to subscribe as well so you don't miss an episode moving forward. I will chat to you guys very soon. Bye. Bye.